You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So now Posey ranges away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to episode, uh, welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. This is episode 55 of the podcast. Sam Lemon here with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. And Shasky, usually I try to come up with a fun little nugget to use for our episode number, but uh, it's episode 55 and when it comes to number 55 in the San Francisco Giants history, there really is only one thing that should come to mind. I'm not even going to play around with it. This is the Tim Lincecum episode. And uh, it's always fun to talk a little Timmy whenever you can. And, you know, let's let's do this right now. Shasky, when you hear the name Tim Lincecum, I'm kind of curious what kind of comes to your mind. I feel like for a lot of Giants fans, it's the shot of them at uh, the ballpark in Arlington on November 1st, 2010, when he was hoisted upon everybody's shoulders and he's holding that number one up. I feel like that's a big moment for a lot of Giants fans. I'm curious for you, though, when you think of Tim Lincecum, what's your kind of like a go-to memory for you? Well, I think the number one thing is if I close my eyes and I think of Lincecum in the image, him getting hoisted with his arm up in the air is absolutely one of them. But it's the delivery, the high leg kick, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, with the hair and everything going on there. I mean, he was electric. If you ask me right now, and I know there's a Madison Bumgarner fan base for this uh, organization that's through the roof. Like, I, I I hear everyone. And Mad Bum is an amazing legend. And I know what he did in the 2014 playoffs is unparalleled. But if you're asking me, gun to my head, who am I giving the ball to to save mm-hmm. my life? It's 2010 postseason Tim Lincecum over anyone. Because I feel you don't get the Bumgarner magic without the 2010 Lincecum unlocking for this franchise and exonerating all of the ghosts. I don't think people realize how much of a bridesmaid the Giants were until the freak, the franchise, Tim Lincecum, came here and unlocked winning at a level that we had never seen before. I put his game one against the Braves as the greatest game I've ever seen pitched over the Matt Cain perfect game. I know, which absurd to say on the same night, Roy Halladay threw a no hitter. I think Lindsay comes one of the greatest pitchers in the national league over the last 40 years. And I'll take his five-year run and I'll put it right there up against Sandy Koufax's five-year run as one of the great national league runs we've ever seen from a pitcher. Yeah, no, he just, it, it, for a for a guy who wasn't that big, he just exuded such a presence when he went on to the when he when he took the mound there, and yeah, yeah, I think the delivery is there. I mean, he he really when he arrived, it you could feel the tenor shift within the Giants organization. They were coming out of the Barry Bonds years, mm-hmm. and the thing I think that really it, that hit home with Giants fans and Tim Lincecum is there was like we felt like we we were the same almost in a sense. Like he really kind of fit the ethos of what Giants fans are about and basically what the Bay Area is yes, about. You know, yes. he's kind of the small underdog. You know, there's kind of an underdog quality with the Giants. And then, of course, he became kind of a cult hero when he got busted with a little bit of pot in his car. You know, if there's ever a fan base that's going to be OK with that, it's this Giants fan base. And that's what led to the Let Tim Smoke t-shirts and the F yeah stuff. If I have to go with a Tim Linscom memory for me, though, I remember it was the 2009 season. Me and a couple friends went to uh, an A's-Giants game at the Coliseum. 
there were six of us, three of us Giants fans, three of us A's fans. So we had some good balance there. And for one of my friends who was an A's fan, it was the first time he'd ever seen Tim Lincecum pitch in person. And Timmy absolutely wiped the floor with the A's that night. The A's were not that good that year. He struck out 12 that night. I remember my friend looking at me after the game. He's like, that was one of the most incredible things I have ever seen before. So Tim Lincecum had A's fans losing their minds. And yeah, it, he really did shift where you felt this franchise was. I'll always remember that his his debut against the Philadelphia Phillies on a Sunday night. And you're thinking, he, I remember when he came out of the dugout, he got an ovation, which yeah. I've never seen before. I've never seen someone get an ovation when they came out of the dugout. That's how kind of the expectations were for this guy. And I think that's what's kind of crazy about Tim Lincecum. When you think about the expectations, like think about like we talked about in our last episode about expectations for Casey Schmidt. Yeah. You know, we, we had expectations for Madison Bumgarner. But in terms of the amount of expectations we put on the franchise as what we call Tim Lincecum, to then show up and immediately live up to those uh, expectations in such a dominant way, you just don't see that very often from guys. And that's just what makes Tim Lincecum, I think, so special. Gun to your head, life on the line. And I hate using the gun to your head thing because I'm not a weapon guy. Yeah. Who are you taking? 2014 Mad Bum or 2010 Lincecum? You know, I would probably go a little 51-49 to probably Lincecum right there. Uh, 2010 Lincecum, I mean, you you talk about his five-year run. I mean, 2010 was probably from 2008 to 2011. 2010 was probably his worst year. He had that really bad month of August. But what you saw him do in October, bookending that postseason with two yes. of the best pitching performances you'll ever see, he rose up to the big Whoa. moment when he when he was able to. He rose up to the big moment in a way that you really just don't see very often these days. He bounced back in 2011 and had a monster year. People forget 2011 that. might have been his best year overall. And, we just we don't talk about it because he got such crud run support that exactly. year. Exactly. And, and then I mean, 2012, he fell out of favor. But in the playoffs... He had three different appearances as a swingman that were unbelievably dynamic. Right. Remember him saving Barry Zito? Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, the, the the ninja performance out of yes. the out of the bullpen. That's what he called himself. And so yeah, I mean, Tim Lincecum just it's it's a shame that it lasted so it, it didn't last very long. I remember watching him pitch, thinking, you know, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna enjoy it because the way he throws the ball, it's not gonna last very long. And I made sure to always appreciate those those Lincecum days ever since he made that debut against the Philadelphia Phillies who, coincidentally, are who the Giants played this week, got their first sweep of the season, taking on the Phillies here. And Shasky, we now, we're at the quarter part, quarter mark of the season already. It feels like just yesterday we were losing our minds about Matt Beattie, and here we are. The Giants got their first sweep. They're sitting 20 and 23 here. And this was a very obviously a very fun series because it's always fun when you sweep a series. Giants beating Zach Wheeler on Tuesday night. We all remember where he came from. 2011. And- Trade for Carlos Beltran. <laughs> and so it's the, it's the first season. Giants have had a lot of ownage against the Phillies of late. They're 17-5 and five in their last 22 meetings going back to uh, 2019. So the Giants have had some ownage against the Phillies right, uh, so far. But I feel like whenever we ta- start these podcasts now, we got to start with the Schmidt show. Casey Schmidt, who had another stellar series. Shasky, the kid just keeps going. You know what? It's... Uh... It's becoming a thing. I mean, this guy's legit. I, I'm, I'm here to say it. I don't know if he'll be an all-star because being an all-star is very difficult. But my God, he is clearly a pillar moving forward. And I mean that with all sincerity. I don't mean that as a joke. You're starting to see what this infield can look like when it takes shape. Him at third base yesterday, Crawford at short. And I think that that's a stopgap for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, and Estrada at second base. Wow. Right. Like Estrada mm-hmm. is coming into his own, obviously having a monster offensive year. Um, and then seeing Casey Schmidt's arm 
on back-to-back plays yesterday down the line. Did you see the cannon from the kid? The I think it was like 94 miles an hour. Hand. Yeah. He is legit. And here's the best part that I like about him right now. At the plate, he's driving the ball all around uh, yeah. the entire diamond from, from line to line. And you've seen him take the outside pitch and go away with it over to the second baseman's head. He's got gap power. Uh, like right now, honest to God, he's the most watchable giant on the team. And Again, Estrada is having an all-star year. Doval is having a really nice year early on. By the way, Doval, ninth inning, that that cutter, that 99-mile-an-hour cutter or sinker or whatever that pitch when is. He starts feeling it. It is Dude. one of the most dangerous pitches to have to hit against. It is so great to watch. But no, eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I like what you're saying about Casey Schmidt and that, yeah, he is using the whole field. And yes. I don't know if it's just a coincidence. Maybe he is catching on, but you're seeing the rest of the team kind of adopt that too. Yep. Shasky, they swept the Phillies and they only had one home run. And that was Michael Conforto's on Monday night. And we're starting to see Conforto come around. We'll get back. We'll, we'll, we'll circle around and get back to him later on in this episode. But that was, I think, what was the most encouraging thing about this giant series is they were not relying on the home run ball. They were sustaining rallies. I think yesterday they, they singled the Phillies to death. And that's what is really kind of frustrated, frustrated me early on. I mean, home runs are great. We love home runs. Chicks dig the long ball, but you need some variety in your game. And you saw that in this series against the Philadelphia Phillies, where they're really there. You're seeing the gap hitting again. You're seeing, you know, they're sustaining rallies. They scored six runs in one inning because they're sustaining rallies. And that is what you want to see. And it's signs like that that make me think even at the quarter pole, 20 and 23 ahead of the Padres in the division. Maybe there's something there that can suggest that, you know what, this team can still have a competitive season. You know, it's uh, been a year and a half since the 2021 uh, NLDS uh, against the Los Angeles Dodgers. This last 10-day stretch was the most watchable the Giants have been since that season. And it's because of Casey Schmidt. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is literally because of Casey Schmidt. I mean, Schmidt. am I wrong? No, it, I felt myself more interested in these games uh, ever since Schmidt came up. Because, again, it's like I think we said in the last episode, even if the Giants don't win, exactly. but if Casey Schmidt makes gets two hits or makes a great play in the field, you're, you're feeling good, even but though the Giants did not win. Here's here's an area. Here's an area that if we're going to praise the kid. You saw some of the growing pains. I believe it was Tuesday night. I think it was Tuesday night. He gets to second base. It might have been Monday night. He gets to second base and there's uh, two outs ball hit in the hole to between third and short. And Trey Turner went to third with it. And Casey Schmidt got thrown out running the bases. That should never happen the rest of his career. A base running mistake like that where a ball's hit to the left side, he's at second base. You just got to be more aware of that. It kind of seemed to catch him off guard a little bit too. It did. It did. But you know what? Like, If we're going to praise all the good stuff, you got to reference the bad base running right there. 
I expect him never to make that mistake again because it does feel like he's a very astute ball player. Yeah, and I think right before that, I think he got on base. He was on first base. He almost got picked off even uh-huh. there too. It was very close. The Phillies almost reviewed it. Going back, I was like, it was close. But again, like, you're going to have those learning moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a exactly. thing that Giants fans need to be ready for is Casey Schmidt, he's going to screw up. Exactly. You know? There's going to be mistakes. we got to be ready to roll with those punches. Now, uh, another guy I want to kind of highlight here uh, from this series that I would like to see more of now that we're past the quarter part of the exactly. season is Bryce Johnson. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday night. There was a moment, it was, uh, I think, the seventh or eighth inning where Bryson Stott hit uh, kind of a blooper out towards shallow center that he came in on, made a very terrific catch on. Next uh, batter, Trey Turner, hit a rocket out to uh, to Triple's alley. And Bryce Johnson got did his best Gregor Blanco impersonation, getting into that ball. Shasky, the Stott hit had a, 300, had a 370 expected batting average. That Trey Turner one had a 500 expected batting average. But because of Bryce Johnson... They'll, both those hits had a zero batting average. This dude, he is fast. He has got a lot of range. He is a guy I want to see so much more of, especially in center field, especially with the outfield that the Giants play in. Well, it's, you know, speed in the outfield is something they haven't had for a while. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like since Angel Pagan, really, if we're being. Oh, yeah. Gregor Blanco with a little bit of speed. I think Gorky's Hernandez, like, he was you know athletic. What? He was underrated there, yeah. but he also wasn't very good. <laughs> no, no, but like having the speed is absolutely something. They do have a nice defensive setup in right field and in center field with Bryce Johnson and Conforto. I, I like that Definitely. defensively. I don't think it's the greatest, but um, it's certainly an upgrade over the last couple of years. What happens to Bryce with this Yastrzemski return to the, you know, to the big league club? That's going to be a very interesting roster crunch there. Uh, I'm sure the Giants going to have some sort of platooning there because that's what they love to do. Uh, the other interesting question is what happens with Austin Slater? Uh, because I, I honestly like think he's been pretty Bryce, snake bitten. Bryce Johnson injury. feels like he kind of makes Austin Slater a little irrelevant. And I like Slater a lot. I think he's a great player. Why do you he, like Slater? He's just, he's, he, he's not a bad baseball player. He's athletic. He's quick. He's decent at getting on base. He's very useful against lefties. And really he's just, he, he, he seems like he's an overall positive presence in the clubhouse when better. I see him in there. But he, I, I feel like Bryce Johnson might just be better. Like well, I like Austin Slater, but I'm really starting to like Bryce Johnson because I feel like he brings a lot of the same things to the table that Austin Slater does, but he's a little bit younger. I think there's a little bit more of a ceiling there, whereas Austin Slater, previous regime guy, always felt like a stopgap. I don't want to say he's a 4A. He's not yes, a 4A player, but he's like, I, I wouldn't say he's a big leaguer, but he's not a 4A player either. He's like a – is a 5A player a thing? Like, he's <laughs> – No. He's he's a useful he's player. He's a fourth or fifth outfielder. Like, yeah, that's and I what think, he is. And I think but Bryce Johnson – Bryce Johnson might be that now, but I think he can get a little bit better. You know, the problem is, is that with Slater, it's more what he signifies, which is constant platooning. Like, and I think that's, it's not so much the player because when he does play, he is productive. It's what he signifies, which is we're going to platoon and guys aren't going to get four or five days in a row. It's going to be matchup dependent. I might yank you in the third inning for Austin Slater. Uh, The ham, he's got the hamstring, right? Is that what the current injury is? Yeah. He has not been able to shake the injury bug this year. I'm, Man, I don't know, man. I'm he, I'm about coming up, you know, running out of patience with Austin he, Slater. He quite just frankly. hit the 30 threshold, which I don't think that's old overall, but in baseball terms, it kind of can be. And yeah, it just if you're looking long term future, I don't see Austin Slater as a part yeah. of that. But Bryce Johnson, I, I I definitely do. So what about uh, Brett Wisely? Brett Wisely, you're not seeing him a lot. I think uh, they gave Casey Schmidt his old locker, so that just shows how how long how much Brett Wisely is seeing here. We just haven't really seen a whole lot from Brett Wisely. Just yeah. 
doing anything. He's not hitting very well. I know the Rays liked him a lot. Uh, the reason the Giants have him is because the Rays really just didn't have any room for him in their organization. They're, they're chock full of incredibly talented infielders. And the Rays, they're very good at, at, at finding talent and holding on to that talent and identifying that talent. So if the Rays think he's good, the Giants probably are like, well, hey, if they think he's good, we should, we should kind of do our due diligence there. I've just not seen it yet. I don't know if it's time to call it quits on Brett Wisely, but as of right now, I'd rather see several other guys who are not him. I'm I'm kind of with you. Also, Jock's going to come back at some point. How about Jock hurting himself, like bunting with two strikes? What was that? Like, I mean, what are you doing? What's crazy enough is that's not even the most crazy injury the Giants have dealt with in the last <laughs> week. We'll get that to that one in a little bit. No, but like, what are they going to do when Jock returns? Like, I know he hasn't played a lot of defensive outfield, but like that, and that's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, getting I to the point, I'm getting to the point where I want to see all these young guys and I'm okay. Like Conforto, if Conforto keeps up current form and he's, he's batting over 215, I believe right now, um, he was he's in the off, he's off the interstate as crew. Yes. I like to say, <laughs> you got to think Conforto's a trade guy, right? You got to think that he is a team I, could take him with a player definitely. option. Like, I think he's got a little value. I just want to see all the young guys having mm-hmm. seen Casey Schmidt. I understand that you're trying to like get into the playoffs and be that wild card. Who says you can't trade some of these guys at the deadline or as we approach the deadline, play the youngsters and still be in the mix for a playoff spot? Like, I don't know. I'm not being make, uh, made or broken by a playoff spot run. I just I'm more made or broken by seeing young guys like a Bryce Johnson. Can you play or not? David VR, yeah. if he comes back up, can you rebound or not? Like, that's what I want to see. I don't know. Am I wrong there? No, I think it's it's totally fair to want to see how the front office might see it might be different. I I really don't want to see happen is we get into July and they're waffling on whether to go for it or not. This is not a go for it team. Thank you. And thank you. If if a good offer for Conforto comes along where you can get a guy who can help out, if not this year, can at least kind of come up next year. Yeah. Then I would say you make that move. If not then I would say just let Conforto play it out and hope that he takes that opt out and the Giants can really kind of dive further into their their youth movement as they go forward next year because it's starting to bear fruit and I really want to see the Giants uh, be able to commit to that.